Hello and welcome to Running Down Corridors. I'm Martin and joining me this week, I have Sam. Sam, how are you doing, mate? Really, really excited for this. Yes, me too. We are going to be talking about the 1996 Paul McGann TV movie. Planet Earth 1999. He's back and it's about time. Who are you? I am... The Doctor! In the fight for eternity. By midnight tonight, this planet will be pulled inside out. There can only be one master. I never liked this planet, Doctor. Paul McGann is Doctor Who. Don't panic! Everything is under control! Monday, the 27th of May on BBC One. I'm not going to give any synopsises because I'm assuming that if anybody's listening to a review of the 1996 Doctor Who movie, then they have seen it. Yes. Paul McGann was your Doctor, He right? was, and it's not many people who can say that. There's, I don't think, um, you know, ever since the show's come back in 2005, uh, and obviously with the rise of the internet, I've got to know many people who are fans, and obviously people, when I was younger, and I like only a couple of us at school really liked it. I mean, in the 90s, there was so much for kids' telly. There was, uh, you know, you, you had Power Rangers, um, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Biker Monster from Mars, all these really cool shows. It was a really cool time to be a kid in the 90s. And I was seven years old when Doc 2 came out. And it, it got a bit of interest, you know. It was st- It's still only been six, seven years since the series had ended. So it was still kind of known with people. But nothing to the scale it is now, you know, with children and adults today. It's very well known, very mainstream. And um, these days, you know, you don't go very far without bumping into uh, into a Doctor Who fan. The majority of these Doctor Who fans I come across now are either real dedicated to the classic series. Their favorite Doctor is Tom Baker, Peter Davison, uh, or they're very much uh, were children when the show returned. So therefore, they've got a lot of love for Christopher Eccleston, uh, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Capaldi, and even Jodie Whittaker today. But there's not many. I think you have to be in a particular bracket, which is what I'm in, to have Paul McGann as your Doctor. Yeah, I was about 14, I think, in 1996. Okay. And my I've got very vague memories of Sylvester McCoy mm. back in the day like really fractured memories um i think it was about eight when they cancelled it so i remember seeing like that he's back and it's about time trailers mm. and posters on bus stops and phone boxes and i remember thinking oh i should i should watch this doctor who program that my parents and everyone keep talking about yeah and then i just forgot <laughs> and this was back in the day where you couldn't just watch it yeah like there was no iPlayer there was barely the internet and if you missed something you just missed it mm. so i didn't actually see the tv movie until after 2005 where the first series came out on blu-ray okay that's interesting uh, sorry blu-ray dvd yeah is it mainly the new series that, that made you a fan would you say or were you were you a fan before it came back no strictly new series okay. really because you know, the difficulty, I, I don't think a lot of classic fans understand the difficulty of being a Doctor Who fan when the show first came back mm. is you want to dip your toe in classic Who, yeah. but where the hell do you start? That's true. And they yeah. weren't releasing DVDs in order at that time. They were just releasing the ones they knew would sell right away. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get this Tom Baker thing where he's in the middle of his reign with companions I don't know. It doesn't explain their backstory. It doesn't Mm. explain how they met. What's in this for me? So when I wanted to dip my toe into Classic Who, it was the 1996 movie I went to. Okay, that that's cool. That's quite interesting because it's kind of a... I mean, this is... I'm only repeating what everyone said before is that it's a bridge between the old series and the new series. Absolutely. I mean, going from my experience, Doctor, I was allowed, I first watched it when I was three years old. I was allowed to stay up late for a treat. My dad said, you can stay up late tonight. So I used to watch Thunderbirds because they used to repeat it on BBC Two on, I think, Tuesday nights in the very, very early 90s. And I was allowed to stay up and watch that and I'd go to bed about half six, seven o'clock. And then my dad said, you can stay up tonight and you can watch Doctor Who. My first introduction to Doctor Who is the biggest head fuck ever because my first episode was the um the mind robber oh wow which as you know is absolutely insane it, it still to this day is one that sticks out so far as like if you want an example of 60s doctor who to the point where everyone must have been on lsd that's the episode so that was my introduction to it and i absolutely <laughs> i mean they've just it. all been at the bbc bar 
Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's so weird because it was in black and white and I just thought it was this black and white show and I'd never seen black and white telly before, I don't think, till this was shown to me. And then it was the last episode I watched, the very last episode that happened to be on. And then what they were doing is because it was coming up to the 30th anniversary, they were repeating old episodes. So the next one I watched was um, The Sea Devils. So I watched all that from start to finish. Uh, so from that on, I was absolutely hooked. Uh, I loved the shows and free repeats and uh, my parents buying me videos as I became more more and more into it for a good couple of years i was introduced to i'm pretty sure all the doctors i think i had at least one video that had each doctor in no i always saw it as just this great show that wasn't on anymore that was it it was a show that existed and there were seven doctors and when i said to my parents why are there not more they just said because there isn't that was it it was a show that was on and now it's finished fair enough and then suddenly i remember watching uh, cbbc and them having a guest on it might have been on blue peter or something like that they had someone come on i I have no idea who this guy was. It could have been Clayton Hickman, but some guy who had nothing to do with the actual production of the film just came on and started talking about that it was coming back and there was going to be a new doctor and a new master. And it was just like, wow, brilliant. It's back. You know what? This week for research for this, I was watching YouTube clips mm. of the premiere of the TV movie. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how many people I spotted there that are now big in the Doctor Who world. Oh, really? Yeah, like Joe Lidster, who's a writer yep. for like Tortured and Sarah Jane Adventures. He walks past in the background like he went to the screening. Okay. And it's just, yeah, it's really interesting to see like the people like Clayton Hickman and stuff like that. People that have gone on to become an authority in Doctor to who it's just it's, it was kind of a nice nostalgia trip as well i mean it, it is amazing and i think it was it felt and i'm thinking about this now as an adult at the time i was a kid so therefore i just knew that this show that i loved and, and had the videos to and had little day pole figures of i don't know if you remember these things little day pole there's a little welsh railway um toy railway company they used to have the rights to doctor who figures I've heard of them i've seen them online but i never had one myself still got a load somewhere but they were they were Bless them, they were rubbish. They were, they were sweet, <laughs> but they were so bad. Yeah, you know, I had, I was this thing that was coming back and it was going to be cool. But I imagine at the time, and I think in my preparation for, for, um, for the, for today's episode, I, had a little look on YouTube to see what people make of the show. And I got, um, you know, you don't have to go very far on YouTube to see people reviewing things. And do you know Stew Bag Fall? The, um, Oh, yeah, I follow him. Oh, yeah, Twitter, I, mean, yeah. He, I love his work on, on YouTube. And I watched, I think he did a, a collaboration with someone for the TV movie. And he's very much a classic Who fan. And he doesn't, he has, he has a lot of negative to say about it. And in fact, I really struggled to find anybody who said anything very positive about it, which I think is a bit of a shame because I really, really love it. And for every negative comment someone has about it, and trust me, there are a lot, I think I can bat them back. Because I, I think one issue was is that I don't think people expected it to be how it was i think uh, you know if you look at the very last series season 26 um and it ended and you actually think nowadays as you get older the, the gap between the end of the series in 1989 and and 1996 it's only seven years it's really actually not that long and i think there were a couple of things that were quite good on telly at the time off the top of my head and people might laugh at these examples but if you think of, of like on the bbc there was like a show called bugs cbbc were doing quite good kids shows that were sci-fi things like aquila which is a brilliant right, show yeah. about two kids bbc two was showing star trek the next generation exactly yeah so I, there were a lot of so british made they were quite they were good they were a lot better than doc two was in the 80s so i think people started to think great we're gonna get this we're gonna get this updated bbc production and then i think it came out that it's going to be an american production so then people thought okay well then there's time sliders star cops uh, and like you said, Star Trek, the next generation. So surely it's going to be like this. And I think what they got was less Star Trek and more due south. Do you remember that show? Oh, I love that. That was just the right level of cheesiness. But, but that is, I think, if I think of any show to compare that 1996 TV movie to, it's due south. It feels like it feels like early Saturday evening television. Um, that that 1996 TV movie. If it had gone to a full series, and of course the movie was supposed to be a pilot for an American slash British series, I think it would have sat on a sort of six o'clock on a on a Saturday night. And there are rumours that Due South used to sit in that role, the kind of you know quirky, humoured antihero, sat in that slot, keeping it warm for Doctor Who. That's just a rumour I heard. But that's the kind of style I think you get from it. It feels more adult than it should in places as well. The way things play out, the romance, for example, which today we're very used to. We're, we're used to the kind of the adult theme. The adult theme in the new series is a lot more than it was in the old series. 
and it's it's quite interesting to see how it all played out um and i think it i think if anything it took it took the fans back then by surprise and i don't think they were quite prepared for what they got which is probably why it, it does get a bit of a negative backlash today because i think for for old school doctor who fans it's too america it's too hollywood and it's too out there but i think if they revisit it today like a lot of people do they they're they're a little bit more soft on it because of the amount of americanization we get in the new series the amount of romance we get in the new series the sexual innuendo the the adult themes and stuff suddenly the, the 1996 tv movie doesn't stick out like a sore thumb like it used to before the new series returned so i watched this about two weeks ago with my fiance who had no idea it existed she had no idea paul mcgann was ever the doctor yeah she said something really interesting when we were watching it okay and she said it feels like a bunch of british people that have watched american tv but have never worked in america have tried to make what they think American TV is. Well, she's not- <laughs> and I thought that was odd, but I looked into it's it. It's true. And she's 100% correct. <laughs> and after like decades of fans screaming, oh, the Americans ruined it, the Americans ruined it, mm. the Americans ruined it, the director was British, the writer was British, the commissioning guy at Fox was British. Jeffrey Sachs, okay, he was born in America, yeah. but he was raised in the UK. So everybody behind the scenes with the creative involvement were British. Mm. They all lived and worked in America. But yeah, everyone involved was British. Well, I, I think that's, that is interesting. I do think there was probably some pressure on them from above to say, it's got to have this, this and that. It's got to appeal to an American audience. But I do feel like they kind of took that the wrong way and went, okay, we want to impress the Americans. Uh, so... Let's, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into the nitty gritty details of the story in a minute, but they'll go, what do Americans like? They like the Terminator. So let's have a scene of Eric Roberts as the master in a leather jacket, walking very slowly and talking in a very monotone voice. And then let's not have him do that ever again, because we can tick that off now. You know, in a, in a bit, he's going to be very flamboyant and danced around. But just for one scene, let's have him like the T2, uh, you know, and have him walk up. And then... There's another bit they'll go, right, we need uh, something for the Americans. That's put in a car chase, an unnecessary car chase. It, you're right. It is exactly that. It is like they went, right, we've got a nice British, you know, got a nice Doctor Who story here. Now let's sex it up for the Americans. The thing about this film is the plot kind of works mechanically, like it gets you from A to B, mm. but it doesn't really work logically yeah. if you look at it. Like you say, it's like the master's this and then he's this. There's no explanation as to how he became this yeah. or that. No, you're absolutely uh, right. Did you know the BBC were insisting that they used Tom Baker in this? I did hear that he was originally supposed to be in the role of it, yeah. I was talking to Billy Garrett-John about this not long ago. We met up around Christmas, had a few drinks, and as we always do, we end up on the subject of Doctor Who to the dismusement of our friends. Um, if we're out and there's other people, they just sort of have to leave us to it and we'll just go on a rant about Doctor Who. And we, we both agreed, like, it feels like this movie now don't me wrong i really do love it and again billy was kind of too young when it came out didn't quite get it but we both agree that it feels like it's just one or two rewrites away from being a really good doctor who episode yeah i kind of feel like you're right there i mean i believe chang would call the ambulance for the doctor but it's mm. like why is he going to the hospital well he's going to the hospital because he needs to meet the master why has he got to meet the master because yeah. he needs to get in the tardis why does he need yeah. to get in the tardis because he, and yeah, it just doesn't work. And I kind of hate Grace's boyfriend in this. He's like, he's so unreasonable. It's like, yeah. you know, she's a heart surgeon who is on call. How can you get pissed off of her when she gets called into work? Uh, exactly. And it's not like it's an argument. It's like he he, get, he rolls his eyes. And you don't hear much about him, do we? We um, His name's Greg, I think. And we... Uh, yeah, something like that. Oh, so I might have got that wrong, actually. Uh, but basically, he... He kind of rolls. He kind of rolls um, his eyes because she gets called away from the uh, fr- from the opera, which people always complain about. They go, "Oh, look, she's at the opera." Therefore, she yeah, she's at the opera. This film's only ninety minutes long or less. Let them just quickly try and do something cheap to get her and say, "Look, she likes this. Let's go." You know, um, I, I think it's great. I think the setup when she's she's in the uh, the op- um, in the opera she she shows a tears shows she's emotional i think it a lot of people complain about that scene but i think it's really really nice and then it has her running down the corridor and performing the surgery in her ball gown yeah you're right but going back to the character of a boyfriend what's amazing is she leaves the hospital the next day and he's moved everything out of the apartment and I think, on new year's eve yeah on new year's well. eve who did he get to do that 
I mean, I know in America they don't take that whole Christmas period that mm. seriously, but surely you'd struggle. Yeah. Well, I think we, we've touched on a good thing now, which is the, the stuff that doesn't make sense. So let's, I, I think maybe I'm going to get that all out of the way now because I'm not, I absolutely love it. I think this is in my, definitely my top five favorite Doctor Who stories of all time. Um, but I absolutely understand it's got its flaws and it's, I'm more biased towards liking it because in the same way that some people love crap episodes like love and monsters and um well you know going on a different tangent i think doctor who series two with david tennant is the worst series in the history of the show and oh, i genuinely don't know how the show wasn't cancelled i remember when it came back and there was uh, do you remember new earth and when it ended i went what a shame we've just got doctor who back and they're going to cancel it now this is awful and then i admit there were some good episodes in series two but ultimately i thought it was so bad i felt the subtlety of got had gone i felt it was too played for laughs i mean love and monsters and i mean but little did i know that actually coming into the series two it would be a massive success and people still today consider that their favorite series and that's understandable because they were kids when they watched it they were six and seven and now they're 20 years old and they're writing for doctor who magazine and they're very fond of this series and i go well actually that's the same as me a lot of people just dismissed the 1996 tv movie as a bit of a joke but for me i was seven years old and it was amazing you know i lived for that moment and i was and i'm absolutely biased towards it but of course i do know as we're talking about now it does have its negatives as we mentioned grace's boyfriend and the lee situation as well which is really funny that, that we don't hear much of like why he's in these gang wars what they were going for is he was a bad person with a good heart and mm. he just needed to be steered in the right direction but i mean and maybe that would have been expanded on in the series but like this script like we said it focuses on where the characters need to be yeah. and not how they get there yeah I, I just think the gun thing's a bit extreme even for america it's like because because lee is so easily manipulated by the master he, he he's so kind of feeble for the rest of it that it had it been like maybe a fist fight it might been un a bit more un understandable but it's a full blown like gun war with oh yeah he's not a naive shot. guy he's he's very street smart and yeah. then he's really gullible because he needs to be because the script needs him to get to the master yeah and it, it's stuff like that and you're right with him calling the ambulance and you know realistically he'd call the ambulance a run because he's he's a suspect with what's just happened and and the other thing Absolutely. that they forget as well is is that you know his two friends get shot and killed oh yeah completely <laughs> they gloss over that do they just leave them there <laughs> because they put the doctor in the ambulance and drive him away and they're just like hey kid you better have money you better be rich because where he's going he's go and you think where are the other two gone surely he's i going guess maybe maybe the police would have had to come for those two because maybe. they were already dead so they would have to investigate before the bodies That's could fair. be moved but if they're his friends but, you thought he'd stick with them rather than stick with yeah them. exactly <laughs> it doesn't didn't know the doctor had anything on him that was worth taking so what do you make about sylvester mccoy's inclusion in this uh good i think it was i think it was the right one i think a lot of people said i know for example russell t davis made the decision in the new series not to have paul mcgann perform in the first five minutes and die and i think that is fair because he says you're not going to get the emotion out of um out Movies, yeah, you're yeah. not going to care about paul mcgann paul mcgann you know for example if, if you think of the episode of uh rose had it been Paul McGann who, who did the whole run, run down the corridor, and then let's say, you know, he says, nice to meet you, Rose, I'm the doctor, run for your life. Had that then stopped, the place explodes with him inside, and then he regenerates into Christopher Eccleston. It'd be intriguing, but I don't think we would, it would miss it up. We, we'd think, well, what the hell's going on? Who was that guy? Absolutely. It wouldn't work. So I understand why Russell Taylor didn't do that. However, in this, I think it works quite well, because I think it's a really good um, performance by... Sylvester McCoy. I like that he doesn't say much. He's this very mysterious person. The whole first couple of scenes of him in the TARDIS, he doesn't say anything really. I think he says, there, that will do it. I love this version of McCoy and I yeah. love the TARDIS. You know what? I want more big finish stories set with this era of Sylvester McCoy. Ooh, I agree. I mean, we were getting a darker Doctor anyway. I think, I think it was the right decision to include him because it had only been seven years since the last show. So to just start with McGann out of nowhere, I think would have been a bit of a disservice. You you know, Sylvester McCoy said he did enjoy doing it. He said it was a good day out filming and he got paid a lot to do it. Um, so good on him. But And he got to go to Canada. He did. And it was a very dignified performance. I think it was brilliant. And, and we've got this dark doctor towards in a series 
26 and suddenly here he was and he's very dark and you like he does he does a lot without saying much and so when he does die we don't get this in a way it's one of my favorite deaths because he doesn't get all that gubbins of it's the end or i'm now to change you know these days if when the doctor dies it takes two episodes for him to die in the older even in the older series you still get the the gubbins and the bullshit of now a time to change and you know touching the companion's face and all the the last bit and i understand when they do that it's it's the actor's last hurrah they have to do that but there is something nice about him just being shot and just dying and it's I, I think it's a little bit strong for kids i remember being horrified by this because i'd been used to this very british very fun fun sylvester mccoy the only i had two videos at the time of doctor who one was Dragonfire, and one was remembrance of the daleks back when sylvester mccoy in his gray suit is very jolly and jumping around and suddenly the show sure. starts and sylvester mccoy's in it in this very scary looking tardis i remember when i was younger i was quite scared of the tardis it's an amazing set absolutely amazing but i was scared of it i thought it looked really creepy and suddenly there's sylvester mccoy and i'm thinking where's ace where's where's what's this well why is he not juggling why is he not playing the spoons and it just i, I remember it at the first 10 or 15 minutes of that show of that episode i remember very clearly watching it as a seven-year-old in my mum and dad's room in their bedroom because they had a big telly and they were downstairs i watched it on my own and sat on their bed and i was just sat rigid for the first 15 minutes terrified because it was it was almost like doctor who saying to its viewers wait you know grow up this is going to get really intense now you know you've gone from the doctor dying of radiation or dying of uh, you know a fall or something to do with the master and here he was getting shot and then having surgery where his legs are kicking out it's quite graphic his death it is. And it's also kind of poetic. Seventh Doctor was always like the master manipulator who knew what was, what was going to happen. Mm. He knew the outcomes of this and that. Yeah. And he didn't think to check the scanner before he left the yeah, TARDIS. That's, that's bizarre, isn't it? It's a, it is a bit out of character. But I think many occasions we've seen the Doctor land on Earth and not bother to look outside. You know, he only ever checks the atmosphere if he's on a new planet. So... Plenty of times we've seen him land on Earth and just pop out the door, especially in like Peter Davison's season. He'd just go straight out and you know, ah, Earth, it's all fine. So I don't mind that too much. But I think as well that a lot of the story is about the regeneration, which I think is quite good. You know, the fact that he has that post-regeneration amnesia, I think that works quite well because as he's rediscovering himself as the Doctor, we're kind of rediscovering the show. It's very meta in that way. Not only have we got a new Doctor, we've got a new show and i think that's what they were trying to sort of do in the way that the old the classic series doctors one to seven were dead and here we had this new guy and he kind of going right well what is this this is not only am i you know not only are they trying to they're sort of telling the story of here this is a new era of doctor who unfortunately we never got to see the full article but it's it, i think it's a very interesting thing yeah there's there's a i mean there's a lot of cheesy bits as i said and it's, it's very uh 90s in some areas but i think that just adds to its charm now you know in the same way oh it's very 90s yeah, yeah. you know in, in the same way now we look at episodes of the 70s and on some planet they're all wearing flares and they're all kind of you know and everyone goes you know at the time everyone oh no that's a bit naff but now when you look back you go no it's the 70s i like it I, I never mind anything that dates doctor who especially if it's set on earth i remember someone was complaining about see her or whatever it is the one with the london olympics and they go oh sure. man that is bad you know you've got this shane ward poster on and it's but i actually quite like it because it's of its time so it's i'm, I'm always fine with that sort of a cab nostalgia to Ooh. it yeah which is the show in a nutshell really so it's fine what do you make of eric roberts as the master i know he divides fans i love him i think he's really good i think they i think they Again, I mean, this all comes down to the the thing that I've I've said for many years, which I think it's one or two rewrites away. Had they had, you know, the, the Virgin writers at the time, the likes of, uh, you know, Clayton Hickman, who was doing the the magazine, Russell T. Davis, Stephen Moffat, had, had they had access to one of them as like a co-writer, it would have been great for them to come in and got one of the Virgin Media um novel people to come in and go like do you know what actually that's just shave this bit off let's get rid of this let's get rid of that i think you would have had a really good show and one of those things would have been to just just kind of edit the the master a little bit because they try and do too many things with him i think to begin with he's kind of a devil they try you know when he i like i really like it when he he transforms and he snaps the wife wife's neck. I, I could accept that because it's almost like he's just regenerated. So I like that thing. I don't like him approaching the woman in the hospital and acting like the Terminator and posing a lot. I don't get that. But after they get in the ambulance with him, with when uh, Grace and the doctor get in the ambulance with Lee and the doctor, 
uh, sorry, with Lee and the Master. I think the Master is amazing from then on. It's some of my favourite Master moments of the entire series, actually. It's one of my favourite scenes is when they're in the um, ambulance and she's kind of trying to tell the Master, thinking he's Bruce, the ambulance guy, look, the Doctor's mental because he's telling me all these things he's done in history. And as he's doing it, the Master is kind of actually taking it verbatim and going, I hate it when he shows off like this. And you get this old school master doctor relationship back because he's getting a little bit annoyed with, oh, yeah, of course he met him. He always does that, doesn't he? Oh, he loves meeting all these Earth people. Oh, he loves that, doesn't he? And there's a really nice moment when she, she goes, oh, I bet I've forgotten who they're talking about. But she goes, you'll be telling me you met such and such next. And he goes, well, I did meet her. And she says, did she kiss as good as me? And the master interrupts us go and says, as well as you. He corrects her on her English, which I just think is so <laughs> excellent. That's just the master in a nutshell. It just is fantastic. It's this evil guy who we can, we've seen is capable of bad things in this body, in this form he's got. But he's so quick to just correct her on her English because he doesn't like that. And he's like, as well as you. And it, it, you know, I never picked up. On it's that. really, and then the, the bits with him and Lee after that are really good as well. You know, he comes in and goes, what, why aren't we moving? And he goes, well, there's, there's traffic. He's, this is an ambulance. It's very Anthony Ainley that, and I like that. And then he, the way he takes things, there's that alien side to him as well. Cause people forget that everyone goes, Oh, it's great when the doctor shows this alien side. Well, the master has to do that as well. I feel like John Sims master never did that. I feel like John Sims' master is an evil human. He's simply that. He's a bad human. He's a bad politician. Yeah, I'm with He's you. not an alien. But Eric Roberts shows sign of being an alien, and even in really quirky ways like the Doctor does. So it's a bit like you remember when um, Roger Delgado's Doctor's watching the Clangers, and he's going, have you seen this? This is amazing. They communicate through whistling. And oh, goes, yeah, and John Sim does that with the telly. Oh, he does yeah. do that, to be fair, yeah. Oh, no, he just says it's amazing. This is a species. But what's great about Robert Delgado is he – Roger Delgado, sorry. He genuinely thinks that's real for a minute. And he goes that – and then he goes, <laughs> you do realize it's a kid's show. It's for children. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then quickly turns it off. <laughs> that's great. And it's like when he's with Lee and he, and he goes um, – he said something – and it sounds like a joke. So then, because I think it's nice that they address that the that the master's being a bit cheesy. He makes a bit of a cheesy line, and then Lee says to him, "You kill me." You know, the American, "You kill me," and he goes, "You want me to kill you?" And he goes, "No, no, 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 no." I mean, I mean, you're a funny guy. <laughs> you know, you make me laugh. And he just, I love that. I love that he takes as "You want me to kill you?" It's it's done very well. I know people mock the him coming out and doing. I always dress for the occasion, but. It's the master, man. Of course he's going to do that. He's found an old Time Lord cloak, and he goes, I'm going to gloat in this moment. I'm going to put it on. And that's the one thing I think it, it misses. If we could cut out some of the him being a Terminator and him being an evil devil thing, and we could have had more moments of just him and the Doctor one-on-one, -on -one, that would have been really, really nice. Well, I kind of think every decade gets the master that best represents them. Mm. In the 60s, you get the master that's kind of the James Bond villain. Yeah. In the 70s, it's more hammer horror. You move on to the Jeffrey Beaver mm. master where he's all mutilated. And then the 80s is slightly camp, Anthony Ainley, mm. like Panto villain. 90s, clearly the Terminator. And then yeah. when it gets to John Sim, it's the politician yeah that's that's true i i see that i think i think more with eric roberts i, I don't think i think they only do the terminator thing for that one scene i think other than that he's just very american baddie i think he's very kind of um going back to bond villain a little bit he's just the obnoxious american baddie that you got in films with sylvester stallone and bruce willis and things like that he was just the american baddie who would often be played by a big bolt up um i'd say a, 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 someone to compare him to a lot i always think when i first watched it even as a kid i remember thinking this master was like him was don't remember the character's name but he's the bad guy in the mask have you seen that oh yeah Oh, what is his name? I don't have a clue what his name is. I can't is. remember. Yeah, but I know what you mean. But he's that style. It's that slick back kind of almost gangster like American. I got all the power in the world sort of thing. And that's kind of what they're doing. But him in juxtaposition with this kind of British quite twee in an old Edwardian costume thing works really nicely. And it is a bit of a shame that it all comes down to a bit of a fist fight, which is fine. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more battle of the brains between them, the two of them. Um, but I suppose that goes back to they were trying to think, well, maybe the Americans wouldn't 
like this you know one of the best scenes of, of um john sims master and i should say actually i feel like i'm i'm having a go at john sims master i loved him in with the 12th doctor i thought that was really good i thought when he returned at the end of series uh series 10 i thought it was great that's just how i wanted john sim to be a bit more camp but there was some good dialogue between him and um capaldi but one of the best scenes of john sims master is when he's on the phone to the doctor and they're talking about what happened with gallifrey and i would have liked a little bit more of that conversation because they could have actually filled in some of the gaps you know why was he sent to scaro why was he in, tr- in a trial? Why did he request the doctor to take his things home? What was the end game to all this? There's been so many fan theories since then. Uh, that there's some really cool ones. I like the idea that it was President Romana took the master to Scaro as a, as a peace offering to stop the time war from happening. That would make sense. Yeah. So they and they held you know and at the time everyone's going what the doctors the, the you know the Daleks hold. The trial that's not the daleks but then since the new series we've seen daleks turning into humans with guns and heads we've seen the parliament of the daleks i'm pretty sure we've seen the brothel of the daleks the vegan society of the daleks the swinger society of the daleks i mean i i lost track what they've done to the daleks in the new series so uh so yeah now a trial with daleks doesn't seem so obscure a lot of people accuse eric roberts of being a bad actor but he really isn't i mean if you look at his imdb Mm. he's got 483 acting credits 61 of which are currently in production bad actors don't have that sort of longevity no absolutely not i really like like i said i really like him as the master and i know he's come back to big finish now and i'm really interested to see what he does because one thing i realized you could tell eric roberts loved playing the master he really enjoyed doing it and i think it comes across and i, and I think in the same way anthony ainley adored being the master so did roger delgado so did john sim so did um, michelle gomez and it comes across so well we've never had an actor in a role like, same as the doctor you've never had an actor who played the doctor and hated it at least one bit of really loved being the doctor and, it, and that shows off and i think it's great that eric roberts took to this role which to be fair you know if you're an american actor you're in american films your sister's julia roberts and suddenly you're off but do you want to do this naff little show from britain you'll be playing this kind of camp baddie he easily could have turned his nose up at that but he genuinely took took to it and he still is very warm and very he's very lovely when he talks about the role today and if he didn't enjoy it he wouldn't have gone back and done it for big finish and it is a kind of a different character for him because he has mostly been typecast as a mob boss yeah Uh, like he's in the dark knight and he's really good in that and he's in the first series of heroes he's Mm. one of the villains in that and like outstanding performance. Oh, absolutely. I just think here, like you said about about script changes and it was a few drafts away, I think they don't really know what they wanted. And if you look at like the casting list of who they had in mind mm. for the actor to play the master and the doctor. Yeah. It's like sometimes the same name is on both lists. Yeah. It's clear they had no idea. And I know people say, well, these are characters that can regenerate, you can cast anyone. But where else would you see Wesley Snipes on the same list as Jim Broadbent? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? it it's, I mean, it's again, I mean, we talked about being a couple of right, um, you know, a couple of rewrites away from a good series, but we forget this was a lot of rewrites away from the awful beginnings of this idea. I mean, the original concept for this movie was absolutely insane. Um, you know, there's all these rumors about, um, you know, I think to begin with, you had, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg was involved a little bit or he put his company involved with it. And yeah, the, Universal and Amblin. Yeah, that's Amblin, were yeah. involved at the beginning, yeah. And some of the ideas that came out from the very early series were absolutely insane. Um, like, you know, the, the Doctor being the son of Omega and the whole film was going to be about his secret brother, who was the master and it was going to be this story of you are my brother sort of thing. You had all these rumors about the, do you hear about the spider Daleks? Yeah. I've seen some test footage that's, on YouTube. Yeah. That, and that's by his company, Albion, I think. And you know, the spider Daleks were supposed to be in it. And then we were going to have the cybers who were going to be these, basically the Cybermen, but not. And the, the original concept for some of the movie is insane. And it would have been awful. People complain now about, um, oh, you know, they said he was half human, which we've all kind of got around in our own way since then. And, you know, all these concepts of the Doctor getting off with his companion, you know, they struggled with that. But had they had the original concept of the um, of the first 
draft i think we i don't think we'd have a new series to be honest it would have been so the original story of doctor would have been so destroyed that i think we would have struggled i think they even were going to reveal his name as well yeah that should never be no and the original yes the original concept of the film which there's a great documentary about it i think on the blu-ray and the dvd of the uh of the tv movies you know in the extras there's a whole documentary about them bringing it back and what happened but in Circa 94, they had a mental script that I think the BBC really had to fight and say, you can't put this out because you're going to destroy 33 years of history in this show. And I think they did (laughs) do a good job of keeping quite loyal to it. I mean, with the the half-human thing, there's all sorts of ways I think people have kind of retconned that. Some people have said it was just the Eighth Doctor was half-human. There's there's some big Finnish play where he says it was a disease he he got where he caught DNA off somebody after he'd kissed them there's even a novel where he uses the chameleon arts just before he regenerates so he's kind of still got those human memories and a little bit of human dna oh yeah they tie it in with human nature that's right yeah I, human nature. that was supposed to happen just before this or something like that what i'll do is i'll tell you quickly martin i think the number one thing i dislike about the um the film if that's all right with you there was one part of it that and these days don't be wrong i'm i'm over it but there was one thing that I think was very misleading about it, and that is the trailer. It's so misleading because it's really cool. The trailer's awesome. All these new effects, the TARDIS swinging in the air. The TARDIS looks brilliant, by the way, and the, the CGI of it flying through the vortex. But it's but it says he's back, and it's about time. And then you very clearly hear this awesome round of exterminate, exterminate, exterminate in this really cool version of the Dalek voice you've never heard before. It's so deep, it's so booming, and it's scary. So to me, that said, the Daleks are back. And I remember thinking, and me and my friends said, well, the Daleks are going to be in it because they've been in the trailer. You hear it very clearly, exterminate, exterminate, really clearly. And all we got <laughs> in the film was this kind of weird squeaky noise, this kind of... An explosion, and then we never hear about them again. We hear them referenced again, but they don't appear. And I, yeah, I think they had some rights issues. Oh, between, I'm sure. Um, shooting, I'm absolutely so, yeah. sure they did. You know, obviously the, the Terry Nation. It sounds like there's a right nightmare every time they want to feature the Daleks in anything. But for me as a kid, that trailer had exterminate very clearly all the way through it, and I thought they're going to come. They were going to come. The Daleks are going to be in this, and they never appeared. And I, to this day, I don't think I quite. As the credits started rolling, I think a little seven-year-old me just goes, oh just gutted they never appeared and i just think it's so misleading honestly watch that trailer they're very clearly loudly screaming exterminate exterminate and that version we got of them which one you don't even see them and thank goodness because you probably were spider daleks or whatever they were but that noise they make is so weird you know in the opening scene it's very weird and that whole monologue is a little bit weird it is strange i I like the idea i'm glad they didn't use the there was originally another guy who was supposed to be from the master's point of view telling the story you know and he was this american guy who said you know as i my final rights are i leave my body and soul to the i'm glad they don't do that because i think we all i think we all will admit that we all like to think that's anthony ainley being shot there we assume it's anthony ainley went from him to eric roberts i like there was another one i found on youtube and it was gordon tipple the guy who is the master in that bit yeah and he's he's doing the voiceover but it's really flat like really flat and then they got paul mcgann to do one they didn't like that so they got him to redo it i think they were going to have sylvester mccoy do it as well yeah it does make sense with paul mcgann i think i think it does kind of make sense they made the right decision there there wasn't the guy who actually is the body they're using in that thing it was it was him. Uh, the, I've forgotten. Who, who did you say the actor was again? Tipple. Gordon. Uh, Gordon Tipple, yeah. It was him. You know, they used his body to get shot in that weird cage thing that looks quite cool, to be honest. But I think they were right not to do that. Because every time I watch that now, I think we we all assume it's Anthony Ainley. And there's someone on YouTube who's done a really good edit. There was a, a computer game that was out a, the year before called Destiny of the Doctors. A really yeah, I've great seen clips. I've never played oh, it. Those- I had that when I was younger. It was so cool. You basically the whole level was you were in the TARDIS and you went around. There were it was creepy as hell. There were like aliens sort of hidden around the TARDIS. It was really good. And the end scene is the the master gets locked up and he's behind bars. Oh, right. And someone has cleverly edited together the end scene, which was Anthony Ainley's actually in the footage at the end. They've edited together that 
with the beginning of the TV movie and it works so well because you've got Anthony Ainley screaming, release me, release me, doctor, you know what they'll do to me. And then it goes into the TV movie. It's brilliant. I, I'm glad I didn't do that because I think we've all retconned in our head that it's Anthony Ainley getting shot by the Daleks and then uh, then becoming Eric Roberts. Did you know that Peter Cabaldi and Christopher Eccleston were both offered auditions, but they declined? I didn't know Eccleston was. I heard Capaldi was, and he didn't feel right for it or for whatever reason. The guy who wrote it, Seagal, he wanted um, Michael Parr, uh, Michael Michael Palin. Michael Palin. Michael, imagine Michael Parkinson as Doctor. Uh, yeah, oh, Palin. I love that. Michael Palin, he wanted as the Doctor. I think he always, since he was younger, uh, envisioned, as, as we all do, I think if we all wrote our own series of Doctor Who, we all have in our own minds who we'd cast as the Doctor. I think his was always Michael Palin. Michael Palin said he was too old for it. And then I think he wanted um, Michael Crawford. And I think, again, Michael Crawford said he didn't feel right for the role. A lot of people on the list were like next generation cast. I do think it was the right decision with Paul McGann. I know his brother went for it as well, Mark McGann. Um, because when he I met did, yeah. Paul McGann at, at MCM, I was talking to him about how I met Mark McGann. I served him in an, H, an HMV in Bristol. And uh, thing he was buying, buying buying some stuff, and I said, "Excuse me, are you Mark McGann?" And he sort of gave that kind of, "Oh, I've been spotted." He went, "Yes," and I went, "Oh, your brother is amazing," which is probably the thing you shouldn't say to someone. <laughs> but I was like, "No, your brother was my doctor," and I I, I told uh, Paul McGann that story when I met him for the first time last summer. I've never I never go to conventions or anything like that, but my sister took me to the uh, MCM. I think it was last year and it was brilliant. I got to meet Paul McGann and, uh, and I told him about, we had a good chat actually. And I, I told him about that and he laughed and said, Oh yeah, Mark would have hated that. He said, I love Mark. You know, he's my favorite guy called Mark, but he's not my favorite brother. He's a sensitive soul is Mark. Um, and he, was, he said, you know, he auditioned to it first. He wanted it more. He was a proper fan as a kid. And I said, no way. But yeah, then his, then his half little brother got it instead. And I thought that's quite funny. Imagine that Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been awkward, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe the, maybe he should have been the master. Mark McGann could have been the master. That would have been brilliant. I think Paul McGann was, was an excellent choice, and I think he's proven that ever since in in Big Finish. So keeping on the subject of, of Paul McGann for a minute, I, I do think he's an excellent doctor, and I've really only recently in the last couple of years listened to his Big Finish stories, and it's so sad to listen to in a way because it's, he's kind of the doctor we never got. And I, I really do enjoy him, and I, I still get when I listen to his series, I get this feeling of, of, of feeling like a kid again. In the many ways that people who watched it in the 70s, they love the new series, but when they see Tom Baker or hear Tom Baker, they get that Saturday night art, that Saturday night evening feeling, that sort of um, butterflies in the stomach of bit being excited to watch Doctor Who, but also being a little bit scared. And I totally get that. And people get it now over David Tennant. You know, people who are 20, 25 years old, they had that with David Tennant when they were younger. Whenever they see him on the telly, they get that buzz and that excitement of the 10th Doctor. And I get that with the 8th Doctor, because obviously after the 8th Doctor came back, he was the Doctor. So even though we didn't get a series after that, whenever I, me and my friends played Doctor Who in the playground or whenever I played with my action figures, in my head it was always Paul McGann because he was the Doctor now. He wasn't Sylvester McCoy anymore. He'd been the Doctor up to a stage. But now it was Paul McGann. And ever since the series came back in my head, if someone said, who plays Doctor Who? I would say, well, Paul McGann does. So it's kind of sad that we never got this series. And it would have been interesting because it, it does feel very out of place now with the new series and the old series the tv movie feels very out of place it does feel like a drama set in america so it would have been interesting to see what they'd done had we got a second film had we got a sequel had we got a series where they actually took the show into space you know how would this style of doctor who have introduced the cybermen how would it have introduced the time lords how would it have introduced daleks uh, a regular companion would we have gone back to britain what would that have looked like would we have discovered more about the tardis what would how would paul mcgann's character have developed it, it would have been really interesting i think that's why it does have this cult following the movie because everyone tries to envision in their head what might have been a big part of that was was the, the time war and I don't know about you, and I, I did enjoy the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who and the idea of John Hurt as the war doctor. It was pretty cool at the time. It was, you know, wow, John Hurt is now an official doctor, and um, here's this story of the time war and kind of what we didn't see, and, the, you know, and it was quite cool. But I think it was one of those things that was great short term, 
but it wasn't great long term. Do you know what I mean? I kind of see what you mean. Well, what I mean by that is, and maybe it's just me because I considered Paul McGann my doctor, is they did a very clever thing with the new series of separating the old and the new with the time war. I think it was genius writing from Russell T. Davis because he could have done lots of things. He could have gone, right, how can I define my new series from the old series? Maybe I'll make the TARDIS change into anything. Maybe I'll get rid of the police box and instead it will do this. Or maybe I'll have the doctor as a woman now. Maybe I won't call the doctor anymore. I'll call him the professor could have done a lot of things i think you know like the the fox and the original rights of the tv movie we're trying to do something completely different i think he did something very very clever by going right there's the old series doctors one to eight then there's a time war and then there's this new era of doctor who with without time lords so basically you could have called you could have even not called the new series doctor who he could have called it just last of the time lords and it could have started a whole new a whole new anthology of stories but it was very clever to have that idea of the time war to separate the old from the new but another thing i think everybody liked was the idea that paul mcgann was the one who killed all the time lords i liked that idea i was... i like that idea a lot of people have said they couldn't see him mm. doing it but you know desperation and a series of events yeah will lead you to change your character and i could absolutely see his doctor mm. going in that far especially when he came back in 2013 and we got that short yeah absolutely i could see that doctor doing. i liked it and i i do like to think there's an alternative you know as we all do we all retcon things in our mind as we've said a lot this evening but you know i i like to think there's a story out there of the eighth doctor because i think it's the idea that he was such a romantic sensitive doctor and to have him go from this very kind of guy running around you know with his long hair mr darcy star which is what they were going for you know pride and prejudice had been big across the pond with the bbc remake in the early 90s so they were kind of going for this mr darcy handsome englishman in his edwardian frock so to have him go from that to having to fight in a war and end the time lords it was it was amazing and one thing i remember as well around the time of the series two and series three of the new series when youtube got very big and we had people like um babble color and various other people you know people started making like doctor who edits and things online you know sure yeah people started making people started cutting together scenes from from the movie and putting them into like classic series but they tried to and Babel Colour did this a lot he still does it a lot today kind of making kind of made fan fiction of old clips of how the Eighth Doctor actually did it what you know what did he do how did he regenerate into and we were all fascinated with God everyone wanted to see that regeneration between the Eighth Doctor and the Ninth Doctor and I think in our heads it just sounded so cool that there's this whole period of time where the Eighth Doctor did something awful and then regenerated into the Ninth Doctor he went from that frock to the leather jacket and that slightly dark persona it was really interesting and I think it's a bit of a shame that that got taken away that mystery got taken away because it was all in our in our own heads we were all imagining what was the Time War like what did it look like what did the Time Lords look like going from this very poncy kind of you know these sort of vicars in space to these war into this war with the daleks which would have looked mental and mcgann was there and suddenly there's the the ninth doctor as cool as the 50th anniversary was did take that magic away from it yeah i guess as fans we had years of anticipation and building up around stories and mm -hmm. nothing they delivered was going to match that no matter how good it was yeah uh, i know big finish and i doing a time war range where we're seeing paul mcgann lead up to that but it's not really the same and that was another thing that really confused me with the new series as as a new series viewer mm. i assumed the time war had happened in some story that i had never seen oh, so okay. i, I kind of sought it out and the thing is at the time when i first saw this tv movie i hated it so much <laughs> it put me off watching classic who until about 2008 you're not alone you're not alone trust me i get a lot of people tell me oh you like the tv movie you know and it, i feel bad because I, th I genuinely think without big finish i think paul mcgann may not even be canon i think it's got to that stage now where had he got not got done big finish and earned this kind of he's kind of earned his stripes as the doctor on doing these great stories with Sheridan Smith as Lucy Miller and, you know, you had the, the Charlie stories and Tamsin and these really, really cool stories. Had he not done them, I genuinely think many people would have just not bothered with the TV movie and decided that, oh, well, Eccleston's the eighth doctor. And I'm thinking it was very good of Russell T. Davis, who is a fan of the of the um ninety-six TV movie. And he shows it. You know, he, he takes a lot of that TV movie into oh, the new series. Yeah. You know, he, he puts the romance in, for example, um, the slightly Americanization of it, you know, the 50-minute episodes, for example. I don't think that would have happened without the TV movie. I think the TV movie has a lot has a lot to answer for in the sense that we would have a very different new series had it not come about. Another complaint that's often leveled at this 
this is the amount of subplots that don't go anywhere. Mm. But what I think people often overlook is that this was a pilot for a TV series. Yeah. So like the additional characters, like the guy in the morgue, he was obviously intended to pop up every couple of episodes. The only thing that gets me is like, why was a medical physician invited to the beryllium clock <laughs> opening? Yeah, I... <laughs> I always just feel like that goes a bit wrong. I think it's a really intriguing story. I, I do admit, as much as it is quite cool, the ending and the face-off between the Master and the Doctor, I do feel like they, they rush the ending a bit. I, that battle in the TARDIS, I think, should have happened straight away. You know, when he puts him up on the thing and he tries to you know, take his body, for instance, he tries to do that. And I would have had that the second they get back to the TARDIS. I would have had that bit there. And then I think they would have had, I would have had the Doctor escape and then try and get the Berinium clock thing. Again, that needs a bit more explanation. But they, I would have had the chase to get there first. I would like the idea of them trying to get to a New Year's Eve party for New Year's Eve. Does that make sense? Right, yeah, no, Because what they do is they go to the New Year's Eve party. There's no real threat there other than the race to get there before the Master. But once they're there, nothing really happens. He has a bit of banter with the guy. They have a chase back to the to the TARDIS but it feels a little bit small that all this this kind of big fight happens in the TARDIS where really you think they don't really care what's going on outside the TARDIS because they can just flick a switch and that's the thing I think we always know towards the end we kind of know that well if he gets out of this which we know he will he's in a time machine he can just go backwards and fix it, which is how the film ends. He does that. But if it was actually taking place to a point where he has to get to this point without his time machine at midnight, it would make a lot more sense. We've already established that the TARDIS doesn't have enough energy to move and do that. So the fact that he would have to get to this beryllium clock and do something there, I think that would have been more exciting because then you would have had lots of people involved. You know, you could just imagine him running through the crowds of people, you know, move, move, move. I've got to get to this clock and the master following him. I think it would have been a really nice ending. They, the ending does get a little bit muddled so and you're right the, the subplots that come like the beryllium clock what is that who is the professor the fact that he keeps predicting everyone's ending there's the, the security guy yeah the, i mean exam. can the eighth doctor see through time well that's that's annoying as well because i think that's what they were trying to do they were trying to go look he's a time lord he's been everywhere because then she makes a good point it's almost like they they screw themselves over because he says everything's gonna end at midnight and then she goes well hang on a minute you told me that this guy passes an exam how does he do that if the there's no future and all he does is put his head in his hands and you think oh actually you've ruined that a little bit because you're right he's already seen the future so surely he gets this right you're already telling us that he's going to save the day so there's quite a lot of cubbins in there that they could get rid of really and i just think that the i mean to me it's just like the outcome i always don't like doctor who when the risk is the universe is going to end i just think that's such a lazy thing that a kid could write it's like right uh doctor who here's the story and um, what is the threat the earth is going to be destroyed or the universe is going to end i don't like that I like it more that's why I think the siege under the, the base under siege stuff is more interesting because you're just dealing with the worst thing that could happen here is eight people are going to die and they're the eight people who are in this room I don't like it when they're like oh and if we don't stop him the universal end I like it when it's if we don't stop him this one person's going to die it feels bigger then because it feels nice that the doctor's here and doing something to help one person not just a whole universe or a whole planet it's a bit cliched in that in that bit but again I suppose they're trying to appease the American market where you know in the American sci-fi shows, the threat every week was that the Earth is going to end. <laughs> well, and I guess with the prediction of the future, we also had Whoopi Goldberg in The Next Generation at this point predicting things and speaking cryptically. So I guess the sense there was, well, people love this in sci-fi. Oh, that could be. I mean, I'm not, I don't know about um, Star Trek. I've never watched it personally. I imagine if that's what they were doing, they're not. that's probably what they were trying to do. Had I watched what was going on at the time in other American shows, I bet I could probably pick a couple of shows from 95 96 watch them and go oh okay look they tried to copy that oh look they tried to do that i wish they'd been watching the x-files instead because i think it would have been a lot cooler to go down that route well that's what people were hoping mm. when i watched that premiere clip a bunch of people were like oh i really hope it's like the x-files that's interesting because I, I would imagine that now at the time i wasn't allowed to watch the x-files I didn't watch Star Trek. I didn't. I think the only other sci-fi show I knew was Star Wars, which even actually I do feel like they go for a Star Wars thing right at the beginning. So the music's different. The music's great. I might add that, but it starts with instead of you normally get a da 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 dum da 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 dum da 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 dum. Instead, it starts with da 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 da. Yeah, it kind of starts off in the middle. Yeah, of the song. it starts with the middle eight. So you get da, and it sounds like Star Wars, you know, in the sense it goes da 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 with the logo coming close. Even as a seven. Old, I went, all right, okay, cool. They want to be Star Wars. This is fine. But even, even a seven-year-old could say, they're trying to do Star Wars. 
there. So there was definitely different kind of cliches they clicked onto, where, which probably makes them lose their way a little bit. I do feel like, though, having all said that, and we're talking about the cliches and the, the concepts of America, I do feel like there's some really excellent moments of Doctor Who in there, and they particularly come from the actual writing of the Doctor himself. I feel like his interaction with Grace is very good. It's exactly the same as Peter Davidson would interact with one of his companions, how the second Doctor would interact with his companions, and how Tennant, Smith, and all that do. In particular, I like that Grace is, tries to say, you know what, you, yeah, you might be a Doctor, but I'm a Doctor too, and I know things. So she actually kind of she knows about the you know when they they cross over the threshold of the of the outside of the TARDIS to the inside she sure. makes a comment like oh that'll uh the, the spatial discourse or something she says and he sort of turns to her and goes oh yeah if you like and I think that's that's quite funny we've seen that since we've seen that when uh, I think there was a scene of Clara and the 11th Doctor she says something quite smart and the 11th Doctor doesn't like it so he sort of goes yeah all right whatever you know we, we've seen that before but Paul McGann does have some of my favorite Doctor moments of all time um and one of those in particular is probably I would say my one of my favourite scenes of the Doctor ever which is when they're about to commence in the, the, the motorbike race and the car chase tries to, to get the motorbike off of the, uh, the policeman the policeman's very trigger happy very American cop you know excuse me sir move back move back sir move back and he goes to his pocket and he instantly thinks he's going to pull out a gun because we're in America. And the Doctor pulls out a jelly baby. You know, classic Tom Baker throwback. We still get the jelly babies in the new series. Jelly babies are great. Great part of the Doctor. It's like, you know, the Sonic Screwdriver. Pulls out the jelly babies and says, would you like a jelly baby, officer? There's that brilliant moment. He kind of, he's so confused that he hasn't had a gun pulled out on him. He's had little tweety British sweets pulled out in a, you know, a penny sweet bag. And he, he takes out the um, jelly baby. And the Doctor does that brilliant thing. He makes that noise you know go on have a jelly baby i love that everyone he gives a jelly baby to they sniff it yeah yeah that's really nice touch they think because because it's that paranoia kind of thing of what's this guy want is it drugs is it what's he on and he puts it in his mouth and the doctor pulls out the gun and what they easily could have done then is make this very american of had the doctor threaten him with the gun because the doctor would never threaten anyone with a gun you know the british series would never do that oh no wait they've done it loads in the new series we even had piss in the 12th doctor shoot a time lord i won't even get into that because I mean, ugh. people complain about the 996 TV movie. We've had a lot of portrayal of the Doctor as a character in the new series, way more. I don't think, other than the I'm half human thing, I don't think Paul McGann's portrayal of the Doctor betrays the character in any shape or form. I think it's an excellent interpretation. And it, this scene in particular is he pulls the gun out and he points it to himself and he says, now please step away from the motorcycle officer before I shoot myself. The officer doesn't know what to do. Brilliantly British whilst being brilliantly alien. This police officer's probably had 100 guns pulled up on him in his time. He's probably had guns held at his head, held at his body, and he's negotiated with them. But he's never had a nutty British person or a nutty alien pull out a gun and point to himself and say, now move away or I'm going to shoot myself. He doesn't know what to do. He's completely baffled by the whole thing. Grace is baffled by the whole thing. It's brilliantly alien. And it's so lovely because he's appealing to his, instead of using force and threat to say, give me your bike or I'm going to shoot you. He says, I know you're a nice guy, really. I think you're a good police officer. If I threaten my own life, you'll be more scared of me shooting myself than me shooting you, which I think is so Doctor Who. To me, that is Doctor Who in an excellent 30 seconds. I think you could show that 30 seconds ago, this is what Doctor Who's about. This is how he acts as an anti-hero and, and as a hero. It is fantastic. It's one of my favourite Doctor Who scenes of all time. That I just, It's brilliant. And then <laughs> he genuinely doesn't know. He's slightly ruined by her taking the gun off him. But that whole, now move away officer before I shoot myself. He says it with such a sort of wild grin in his face. A very Tom Baker-esque grin. A very David Tennant-esque grin. It's brilliant. I absolutely love that scene. And that for me is why... Paul McGann is my doctor. That, that, yeah, I could take that 60 seconds and it shits over all the other doctors. I love it. I love the enthusiasm for this. Ooh. And it, it's a real shame that Fox won't let Big Finish use Grace or Chang. Oh, yeah, a, that is a real shame. But how, how come they've got away with the, the Master? I suppose because the Master's already owned by... Yeah, the Master's already, I guess, a British creation. But yeah, the Chang and Grace were created for the series specifically. Why not just let these characters go out and make you money? You're doing nothing with them. Yeah. They're hardly likely to announce the Grace and Chang spin-off. You are, and there's, I think there's... 
Oh, who was I? I was watching something recently. I think it was Josie Long who uh, appears in the DVD extra talking about the movie. And she says at the very end, when they're kind of going back to San Francisco, they're all stood around the TARDIS. There's the Doctor, there's Grace and there's Lee. And you think, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the team. They're the new team. This is great. And you sort of watch them and he's kind of grinning at them. They're both stood around the TARDIS. It stops. And he does that excellent thing where they all panic and you think, oh no, here we go again. And he just gives it a slight bang and the TARDIS starts going again. You go, oh yeah, this is great. And then they just land on San Francisco and they all go home. And you go, this isn't what we wanted. We don't, we don't want them to go. Like, stay. This is the new I team. guess they were trying to set up other episode points where he goes back and finds each of them for a specific reason. I think if they'd known this was going to be the one-off, they would have ended it where he banged the TARDIS and then they fly off the Yeah, game. that's what I thought was going to end on. You know, in my mind, in, still in my head, the seven-year-old me, whenever I see that scene, thinks they're going to fly off, they're going to land on a ship, the door opens and we have brand new Daleks coming in. And that would have been an excellent ending. But we don't get that. You know, it stops and he gets off with, a, uh, with, with Ace. Oh, that's a story for another day. He gets off with with grace and and he goes away with some gold lee and he flies off in the tardis and it's all a bit yeah i get a bit sad every time i see that ending because it's also the fact that you know that that is the end of paul mcgann you know other than the the night of the doctor that we got in 2013 we never got that proper series that he deserved i should add this in actually with 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 this whole podcast of of the context of probably why i love this um tv movie so much it's the context of the time summer of 1996 fantastic time um you know seven years old it's it's one of those summers where seven years old you know the summer seems to last forever do you know what i mean absolutely and i I love that time it was Euro 96 I'm a big football fan so you know the brilliant summer of Euro 96 England doing brilliantly the year football came home uh, the first time well nearly did sort of but also what was amazing around that time is 11 days before the TV movie came out I was taken by my mum and dad for as a, as a birthday present to it was a surprise it was a secret they took me they said we're going to go out for lunch and i was like okay so they took me out for lunch me and my, my sisters who at the time were about well they're about three years old and there was me obviously seven and they took us out and it was just a normal thing they'd do on a saturday afternoon they took us out and we ended up in a place called oldborn and they said oh look they've got an event on let's go and take a look and as we walked down there was a couple of monsters and my mum and dad had taken to meet me to this event in oldborn and oldborn's where they filmed the Damons. Oh wow! And yeah. they were doing it was they were filming. There's a video that came out called "Return to Devil's End," and it's actually about this event. It was for the some anniversary, or they were they were holding this event where they filmed Devil's End, and there were all these like monsters there. There was someone in the Dalek walking around, and uh, they had all the cast there from the Damons. So Katie Manning was there. Um, Nicholas Briggs was there. Nicholas, not Nicholas Briggs. Oh, Nicholas Courtney. Nicholas Courtney. Yeah, was there. All the cast, and including John Pertwee. And we didn't get to meet anyone because obviously it cost a lot of money to to meet these stars and um my parents didn't have a lot of money but it was great for me just to be there they bought me a little day pole figure from a little stand that were there we, we kind of saw the people wow. it was a really lovely day and they had like i said they had daleks out and everything it was great we stayed there for a couple of hours and what was great was john levine who played uh sergeant benton yeah he he walked past and my dad sort of pointed and went, look, Sam, that's the man who plays Sergeant Benton. And he heard. He over, he was just walking back to his stand to sign autographs. He'd obviously gone off to lunch. And he heard. So he turned back around. And he came over. And he came for a chat. And, oh, and, he, and he spoke to, to us for a little bit. It was really, really lovely. And my dad said, oh, Sam here. He was watching Death of the Daleks, the uh, Day of the Daleks earlier today. And he goes, oh, I don't remember that one. I said, it's the one where a man disappears in an ambulance when you're in the ambulance with him. And he goes, all oh, right. And I go, how did you do that? And he went, well, what I do is I call in my friend who works with me, who's a magician. And whenever we need something to disappear, like the TARDIS, we bring him in and he makes it disappear on camera. Like it was really, we've, we've got, I'll, I'll send you these pictures, actually. I don't know if you want them for the podcast or social media or anything, but I've got, yeah, I've got pictures of my whole family stood with Sergeant Benton. It's, it's really lovely. But, um, and that made my day. It really did make my day. And I thought this is the best day ever until the day got even better because we stayed there till the end. The rain started coming down and it got a little bit cloudy. The day started, as I said, came to the end. And we were just on our way back to the car when there was a, you had to pay to get into a tent to see John Pertwee do a speech and then you could sign autographs with him. So he didn't appear. 
And anyway, he came out the back of the tent at the end of the day and walked over to a car who was with somebody else. And he was in full costume and he went all the way over to this car park and he was stood there with somebody and he just lit up like a cigar and he was just smoking a cigar. My mum and dad, who, who he was their doctor, John Pertwee, my mum and dad, he was their doctor and they both froze more than I did. I'm like, oh my God, it's John Pertwee. And he was just stood by a car, you know, all the fans had missed him. All the fans were leaving for this thing and we'd seen him sneak out the back. And my mum said, oh, I'm going to try and get a sneaky picture. I'm going to try and get a sneaky picture. And I literally just sort of walked out a little and stared at him. Well, I would have said I was about 20 yards away from him and he turned around and he caught my eye and he put this cigarette in his mouth. He caught my eye and he was wearing shades at the time and he took the shades off and he put out the cigarette and he called me I went, young man, come here. And he called me over and I was just, my dad went, go on, go and see him, go and see him. And bear in mind, people had paid about 50 quid to go and see him that day and he'd clocked me just staring at him and he called me over. Car park, put out a cigarette. It's like, have you seen that scene in um, An Adventure in Time and Space when the little boy goes up to William Hartnell? Sure. It was that, basically. He put out a cigarette and he goes, what's your, what's your name? Sorry about the impression, but it's the best I can do. He goes, he goes what's your name? I go, oh, Sam. He goes, hello, young, hello, young fella. And is this your family, is it? Is this your family? And he goes, now, who are these young ladies? And it was my sisters. He had a picture taken holding my holding my sister's hands. Oh, I was too amazing. shy to get my picture taken with him, and I forget, forever regret that. So starstruck. I didn't know what to say to him. And I said, from nowhere, um, he asked me how I was or something. He said, how are you? Or have you had a nice day? And all I said to him was, where's the TARDIS? I just said, <laughs> where's the TARDIS? And brilliantly, he sort of put his hand to his chin and went, hmm, you know, the old girl broke down on the way here. She's not as reliable as she used to be. The old thing broke down. Luckily, my good friend here, John. You won't know, John. One of Unit Solid's advisors. Secret man he is. Top notch. Need to know. Tapped his nose. Need to know. Came and picked me up. That's where we're going now. I need to fix the... Uh, he said something like, I need to fix the neutron vision of the something, and I'll get the old girl working again. So I'll always say, I've never met John Pertwee, but I've met the third doctor. Because he was completely oh, awesome. in character. And he was completely in character for the whole of this. He was just chatting to me as the third doctor. He didn't once say, oh, isn't this fun? Isn't this a funny thing? I'm John Pertwee. I love playing. He was just being the third doctor. He was talking to my mum and dad about aliens. He was talking to my sisters. Have you seen the Daleks? Look how, if you see them, let me know. It was amazing. It's my favorite childhood memory of all time and eight days later sadly he died that was his last public outing as uh, john oh, Pertwee. Man. and as far as i know i'm probably wrong about this but in the context of cons so to speak and public events i was one of the last fans to meet him what an incredible experience it was incredible so you know that was a few days later he died because this was in early april and he died late april early may yeah the tv movie is dedicated very to him, true isn't yeah it? and it, this was only a, a week or two before the tv movie movie came out because a lot of people were there that day hyping hyping up the uh, the tv movie so I, I feel like that's a big probably a big part of why i like the tv movie because it's from this amazing little part of my childhood where i had this amazing doctor who experience of meeting the third doctor and then gaining a new doctor altogether so i thought i'd share that story with you because i feel like it's it's a huge part of context to this to, to me loving this uh, this episode sam what a beautiful story and what a perfect place to end this on a high yeah definitely well if you want a real high i'll add you with this one last little snippet of uh, just to add on this lovely summer of 1996 the doctor was coming home when i just thought that things couldn't get better i'm a very lucky little shit uh, all my childhoods wasn't this exciting, I will add, but, but Doctor Who related, it was great. It was, um, at the time, they were there was a big marketing campaign that, do you remember the video went on sale the same day, the TV Yeah, I know people who queued up at midnight together. That's right, and they were available in Tesco's and places like that. And my mum had a friend who worked in, I think it was MVC, do you remember MVC? I do. And they had this brilliant display in there, which was about four foot five TARDIS, cardboard cutout TARDIS, and the windows kind of pushed in, and you could put, they displayed the videos in there. My mum's friend who worked there said, I'll tell you what, we've got this brilliant display that Sam would love. It's like a four foot five TARDIS, and the doors kind of open, and you put videos in them and my mum went oh that sounds amazing what do they do with them when they chuck them out she goes oh we're just gonna chuck it away when it's done she went you oh, couldn't wow. keep it for sam could you cut a long story short the saturday after the tv movie i woke up in the morning my dad knocked on my door i opened the door to see a four foot five tardis oh, oh that is incredible and i've still got this tardis as well it's still in my mum and dad's loft sadly it's been a bit battered and bruised because the second i got it i me and my friends were playing in it going in and out of it and and all sorts but yeah it amazing absolutely brilliant and that is where we're going to end it today folks 